Everyone's talking about AI, everyone's talking about what massive change is going to make. And to be frank, as a venture capitalist, our job is to obviously invest money on behalf of people that look for these generational changes in technologies and opportunities to invest in them. But in saying that, we've also seen over many decades uh, lots of generational changes of technology which was meant to happen but haven't. So the question we're kind of here to answer this morning is why do we think this is different? Mm -hmm. What impact do we truly think it's going to make? And with my friend here, Shane, this morning, aka Tech Guy, um, we're going to actually give you some real-life examples of actually how this is operating at the coalface because Shane's job at Microsoft is to work with both large Australian corporates, global corporates and startups for them to figure out how this impacts their business and their customers on a daily basis. I spend my days these days with some of Australia and New Zealand's largest companies and at the moment, look, the theme is absolutely AI, AI, AI. Um, you know, in the last 30-ish years I've been in this game, this is the fastest change, rate of change we're seeing technology, you know, happen, and it is disrupting businesses, you know, both big and small. Totally, and I think, fair to say, Shane, the difference between this, because we've seen this cycle twice in kind of the last 30 years, in our view, from an investment perspective, so one, there was a little thing called the internet, came together in the sort of the mid-90s and then through 2000s and accelerated. And the other one was, which everyone carries today, this thing called a smartphone. There have been two fundamental generational technology changes that we've seen in business, in our consumer lives, um, and in our daily lives. So let's start with how this might work from yeah. a generative AI perspective. Look, from a generative AI perspective, we are living you know, in the middle of a major societal shift towards not just the usage of, but, you know, the reliance and advancements of our lives being built on technology that, you know, seeks to, to emulate us. We often talk about human innovation through the lens of industrial revolutions. You know, so we had the first, the, you know, the mechanisation through steam and coal. We had the second, uh, you know, as it was mentioned earlier, you know, automation, uh, mass production through electricity. The third, you know, computer and automation systems record engagement. Well, look, this is a new, I guess, revolution here. We are in the fourth age, the age of systems intelligence and AI. And look, why an age? Because we are seeing rapid intelligence growth. Um, and look, it's only getting cheaper for this, you know, to, um, for organizations to be able to leverage. I used to, Grant, you know, start a lot of these conversations, you know, in uh, rooms like this, almost saying, hey, you know, it's 2020, every business is a technology business, because the reality is, if you're not, your competitors are, you know, e.g., like Domino's Pizza, as an example. Well, hey, in 2023, every business is an AI business, because the reality is, your competitors are. So think about the roles that you all perform. How has AI impacted you? Um, what about your customers? More so, what do your customers expect from you all today? Um, this is more than chat, right? This is about supercharging everybody's productivity and giving more time back to people you know, to work on those really valuable, high-impact parts of your business. Um, if you haven't even thought of these questions, Jot them down. Um, and if there's anything you take away from this session, I want you to think about how are you going to leverage AI. AI is not going to, but it is impacting so many white-collar jobs, and it's just getting started. 
I think one of the things people don't often talk about or realise around AI and now what we know as open AI and what we'll talk about in a minute in ChatGPT is just some of the foundational areas that it started from a research perspective and just how much investment's gone into this space as to therefore what it may impact through our work lives, government and society. Do you want to give us a bit of a context here? Yeah, okay. So look, I think let's start with a bit of a, you know, walkthrough of history and time here. So if you're thinking AI has just popped up, ChatGPT has, you know, just come on the scene here. Look, this is something that has been going on for, you know, 60 plus years as we can see here. We are, you know, in the era of the Tesla plaids with ludicrous mode or the Rimac Neveras, right? Um, it's an arms race, make no mistake here. We have multimodal, meaning you know, we can generate images from text descriptions. You've probably seen there the images of the Pope in the puffer jacket. Um, we can calculate relationships between objects. So there's things called vector search these days. So what is the relationship between a clicker, uh, a t-shirt, and a laser pointer? Right? You know, it's getting smart. Um, not only can you, say, ask AI to organize, organize a catering plan, but you can chain them together. You can have then the AI you know, reach out to the shops and order that food for you, right? So we are in the era of AI. And Shane, just once again, more so for context, everyone's obviously been using ChatGPT. It, it popped out of the woodwork, so to speak, and everyone went, oh, my God, mm, what is this? Absolutely. Right? Um, like, where have you guys seen the impact of that just from the perspective of how active it's made businesses become on talking and looking to invest in this space? Yeah. So, look, as you mentioned, North ChatGPT, it made it feel real, like it's resonating, not just with techies, but with users, right? So, it's winning the hearts and minds. Look, in terms of resonating with organisations, there is a massive amount of adoption. Uh, organisations are going from science experiment through to commercializing this into their products. I think you will see in the next three to six months, AI being sprinkled everywhere. And I think you know, a good example of this here is probably Bloomberg GPT. Um, you know, 50 billion parameter large language model built purpose uh, you know, purpose-built from scratch for finance. Like, so I'm a subscriber of Morningstar, maybe The Motley Fool, and so on. But the question I ask myself is, could these purpose-built models deliver the same or better outcome to me as an end consumer as versus an analyst? Grant, do you know who this uh, fine gentleman on stage is? No, but he's very attractive. He is very attractive. All yes. right. So, look, this is the late Gordon Moore. So, if you're not familiar with Gordon Moore, he's a co-founder of Intel, and in 1965, he coined the term that later became, you know, Moore's Law. And his law is effectively that the number of components, so transistors, uh, on a circuit doubles every 12 months. It was later revised to 24 months, but it has been a mainstay when discussing uh, the newest generation of hardware, and it was a benchmark many chip and fab developments were measured on. So where am I going with this, and how does it relate to AI? Um, as a society, we are seeing, in effect, a new Moore's law, right? So the number of parameters in these neural networks, so we've got GPT-4 taking in like 170 billion parameters at the moment. It is simply mind-boggling. So we are at scale now. It is an arms race. You have companies like OpenAI and Microsoft. You have Meta. You have Anthropic. Um, AI is being used to solve you know, some of the world's largest problems. 
Um, and when you think about Moore's law, it was kind of like a compounding linear growth model. These neural networks, they start to be self-learning and they break that model. So, you know, if you've got a few moments, pop in your favorite search engine, and I hope it's Bing today, pop in Hustle GPT, right? And you'll see in the early days of GPT-4, you know, it was asked, how do you make $1,000 from 100? So, not bad, Graham, would you say, 10 times return? Pretty good, yep. Um, so, it came up with a plan, and it needed to solve a capture. And you know what? You know, you know, so those squares, you know, click on the buses or the mountains, etc. Um, and that's actually quite computationally very expensive to be able to do, right? So GPT-4, it signed itself up to a service like Mechanical Turk, so where you get humans to perform, um, you know, menial tasks. And the human asked Grant, you know, are you a bot? Um, and you know what it said? No. So it actually said, no, I'm not a bot, I'm vision impaired, right? So that's how far, you know, things have actually got. Now, this has been tuned out of these large language models at the moment, right? But, you know, we are now getting models that can chain onto other models and to be able to do other things, and we're just getting started. The reason why we think this is, um, the last slide there is so compelling, just from the perspective of why this does actually um, sustain itself, for want of a better term, even to an extent unlike what's happened in the last probably decade with crypto and blockchain, etc., is the fact that the ability for OpenAI yeah. and these models to be accessible by all of us and businesses every day is pervasive already. And it's pervasive because of the nature of cloud computing, right? Cloud computing is actually still only about 25% penetrated within markets and economies, so that means there's still a lot of computers sitting in office spaces, mm. et cetera, um, with SQL on them. Um, but today, because of mobile phones and the internet and the way that infrastructure is built out globally, everyone can access this. And that's not just in Western markets, that's everywhere in the world, right? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So it is being democratizing technology and raising the barrier to entry. Whether you're Grant at home working on a startup or you're the Commonwealth Bank, you know, these large language models are available to everyone for, you know, cents on the dollar, realistically, here. You know, ask it a question, it's going to cost you a fraction of a cent. So 100%. it's really changing how we build software moving forward. And it's really changing what we see in the behavior of both corporates out there and startups in the way that they are now strategizing around their product and delivery methods for their services to their customers. Um, to try and give that some context, it's, you know, people often talk about necessarily job losses, but reallocation of labour um, within industries, we thought it would be good for Shane to give actually context of what that looks like in a real-life scenario. And this is obviously within the context of development mm. of code, etc., um, for a developer, which many people would have in their organisations. 100%. Um, let's talk through this. Yeah, so look, what I've got on the screen here is a picture of GitHub Copilot. So if you're not familiar with GitHub, it's effectively a data repository where the world stores its code. You will find most things are stored on GitHub today, be it a Microsoft product or be it any product. Um, but today, more than 45% of the code produced or checked into GitHub in 2023 has been built by AI. That is an amazing figure here, right? Um, AI is already having an impact. And the thread of the conversations that I have day to day is, you know, be it with CTOs or with you here today, is about how do you shift people's time from low value to high value, right? Can you make AI 
your co-pilot. You know, let it teach you. It's not necessarily that you may not need these you know, amazing 10x developers in your organization today, but with these co-pilots, it's changing, right? You just need to know how to steer it. You know, write me a snippet of code to do X, Y, Z, hit tab, and it all, it's going to automatically complete, right? So we are already seeing this having an impact. Um, the time to build or time to market, time to value is reducing. Um, and as I just said, right, you know, we joke in the industry about a, about a 10Xer, so I probably should have explained that. A 10Xer is, you know, a person who is 10 times more productive than their peers, right? So, you know, we strive to hire these unicorns. Well, with AI, everyone kind of has that superpower. So, look, AI has gone beyond science experiments. Companies like MYOB uh, and Xero are integrating AI into their tech stacks. And we're seeing very significant developments in the finance, services, and investment markets. So the barrier to entry for all of us to consume AI is only getting smaller and smaller each day. I don't know, Grant, if you're seeing any of this in the, you know, in the venture capitalist world. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the common question we get asked from both investors and startups that we're looking at is kind of what are the market segments or industries that we think are going to be most impacted most quickly with these technologies? And there's probably three overall that we've seen a lot of both um, innovation in terms of new startups, but also very large corporates spending a lot of time implementing and thinking about this stuff. So one is definitely financial services. Um, and to put this into context, this is sort of any industry that has a, a very large mid and tail of people doing a lot of repetitive tasks a lot of the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so financial services is absolutely one. Um, education, uh, we think, is an, an amazing sector of how pervasive education could be globally to lift the standards of that education across the globe, not just in Western markets, but taking this and changing the experience of how people engage and use because you're effectively talking to a machine in some ways, mm. to optimise and personalise that education experience. And the last one is realistically the health industry, um, which is you know, a, an enormous problem space for very large economies throughout the world. Um, and it's an area where both from uh, a, cust a, a, a care perspective and best quality of care perspective is really being challenged by these technologies. Absolutely. Look, and look, with my travels around Australia and New Zealand, I'm seeing four broad themes here. So there is... Um, this is going to be a new generation of search called Vector Search coming out. If you're not familiar, pop that into your favorite search engine. That can understand the relationships between things. We're seeing these large language models being used for summarization. You might have a 100,000 word contract. What's the TLDR of this? You know, how do you save time here? There's that internal productivity, you know, be it from your developers here. And just being able to accelerate and reduce that time to market. I saw a really interesting startup the other day. Um, probably might interest you, Grant. <laughs> if you think about it, you go to a restaurant and you might see you know, bad review and you're probably not going to eat there due to a bad review. Well, this startup was using large language models to aggregate and find bad reviews and then use the large language models to automatically reply you know, in, a, in a tone right. and language. So you know, very, very, very interesting. So we have to finish up in a minute, Shane, but I'm sure you get asked a lot by these companies, CEOs, CTOs, yeah. CPOs, et cetera, about how do I need to think about this? Absolutely. What's a bit of a framework? Well, I think it's a great slide, right? So this is from Spotify's engineering blog. So think about the organization that you work for, maybe where you fit in today. 
What quadrant are you playing in, right? Are you wanting to build a bridge to get to, you know, that top right? Perhaps it's not even a bridge, right? Figure it out. How do you get there, right? How do you get to top right? You need to do something. AI is eating many rolls for breakfast. It's eating technology for lunch and everything else for dinner. How can you use AI, you know, to shift to top right? And do you need to alter your behaviors?